0: Welcome to Life Meet. I'm your host, Chris Gast, Right to Life Michigan's Director of Communication and Education. Joining us today is Genevieve Marnan, our Right to Life Michigan Legislative Director. Welcome to the podcast, Genevieve.
1: Thank you, Chris.
0: So, you've been with Rights Life Michigan for uh, just over five years now?
1: It'll be 6th in September.
0: 6th in September, and you are our new-ish legislative director.
1: Correct. I've been there for almost one year.
0: Almost one year, and you came in just at the tail end of, uh, at the end of a session. Maybe we can get into that in a minute, Um, but I thought today we just kind of give people an idea of what we do in Lansing, because... We talk about our education here, Uh, you get a sense of our political action if you just read the news or from what we do, Um, and we talk about legislation, but uh, your job is interesting because most of what you do doesn't see the light of day.
1: Yeah, unfortunately I am in my underground bunker in Lansing and I work with (laughs) legislators to try and forward and pass pro-life legislation where we can and we've done great stuff over the years we've passed quite a few pro-life laws michigan is actually one of the better states with regard to legal protections for the unborn so uh, we continue to work where we can and nibble around the edges
0: yeah i would say that we have a really good track record Um, and over a long distance of time your predecessor ed rivett was here for Several decades before that, we didn't, you know, we had legislative directors that lasted maybe, you know, five minutes and then they were, and then they were gone. Um, A lot of them went on to get involved in politics and stuff. So you work on legislation, but at the same time, that's intimately involved with our political side.
1: It is. It is. We have um, our political action director, of course, uh, is somebody who's separate from me, and I don't do anything with regard to endorsing candidates or sitting in with our PAC as far as picking out candidates. But I work with everybody who is sent to Lansing, and I try to educate them on where Michigan stands from a legislative background and what we need to do going forward to continue protection of the unborn.
0: And uh, it causes some headaches sometimes, doesn't it? It does.
1: It It does. It (laughs) does. Uh, You know, we've had some disappointments over the years. We've had some pro-life endorsed candidates who've gone south uh, who have turned on us. And we've also had situations where we've had some non-endorsed candidates who voted with us because their conscience told them to, which is always a good thing to have. Uh, it's become more politicized over the last, I don't know, probably 10 years where it's become far more, uh, polarizing with regard to people and their votes, uh, which is a sad thing. Uh, people tend to vote more with their party than they do with their conscience in many cases.
0: Yeah, this is the first legislature where we don't have a uh, state legislature where we don't have an endorsed Democrat, neither sure. the House or the Senate. Um, so, uh in some ways it makes our job more difficult because we can't always put together those cross-party deals. Absolutely.
1: Um, yeah. And yeah. for other reasons. Yeah. Well, so for, <laughs> for the first time in 46 years, this is the first time in our state legislative history we have not had a pro-life endorsed Democrat. And we, you know, we are non-sectarian. We're non, you know, pol- we don't have a political affiliation. And, uh, and so, yeah, you're right. We used to be able to rely on some Democrats, some Republicans, because they were voting for what they believed in, not because this is what the party told them to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it, it is kind of a shame that uh, certain people feel that they have to be a certain way depending on their political affiliation. Uh, people are always surprised to hear that 30 years ago, about half of the Democratic caucus were pro-life endorsed mm-hmm. and uh, it's no longer your father's Democratic party.
0: Yeah. Uh it's no longer mine. I'm only thirty yeah. and uh there's been a drastic change, especially on the national level, just uh since, you know, uh two thousand eight. Yes. Uh, or two thousand ten rather. Um mm-hmm. so you know, we just were talking in the office about um, you know, problems with politicians and how they can go you mentioned how they can go south, their personal ambitions or or whatnot. Um, you think about uh particularly for this issue, you know, Bart Stupak was the man holding the line Mm -hmm. for the abortion provisions of Obamacare. And then, um, even though I would call him personally, a a genuinely pro-life guy, you know, Mm -hmm. he had these other ambitions, he had these other goals, all the pressure brought on him and he just, he cracked.
1: And there is a lot of pressure. I think people don't realize that, the you know, being in government, there it's like a pressure cooker. You've got all these competing voices, your constituents, you've got your party, you've got your other caucus members, you've got a whole lot of people who have interest in what you do, and you have a lot of competing voices. And so, you know, I don't envy our politicians in a lot of cases because they have a lot on their plate and they have a lot of uh, competing voices at them. So I always try to remind them that, you know, it doesn't matter how good your roads are. It doesn't matter how good your schools are. It doesn't matter whether there's enough money in the budget for this or the next thing if you're, no, if you're not alive to enjoy all those things. And that's what my goal is. My goal is to save those 85 babies a day that are aborted every single day in the state of Michigan. And so I try to boil it down for our politicians and let them know all this doesn't matter if you don't have life first.
0: Yeah. Um, so kind of one myth that I think a lot of people have, um, I don't know about you, Genevieve, but I know enough and talk enough about political issues that occasionally a family member or someone will say, you know what, you should run for office. <laughs> and they have in mind that, um, oh, maybe it's a tough campaign, but once you get elected, it's this cushy job where you can just do whatever you want. Um, And so, I mean, you get a taste of that, even though the legislature is in session for three of the five days of the week, Mm -hmm. Um, but you could be doing something somewhere and you have to put everything down and go run to a committee meeting, but that's their life uh, pretty much 24 seven.
1: It is. I think, I always laugh a little when people say that our legislators are part-time and that they don't work in the summer, and they actually wanted to make us into a part-time legislature. And I think to myself, I go to these dinners, we have Right to Life dinners, and oftentimes we'll have our, our elected officials there, and I'll joke with them about, you know, eating the, you know, another chicken dinner, and they'll say, well, I haven't eaten dinner at home at all this week because there's an event that they're expected to go to almost every single night. So this idea that they only work three days a week is kind of funny because they work in district, and they work here, and they have back-to-back meetings, back-to-back committee meetings. Um, They're constantly having to read all the bills. It's a big job. It's a big job. But when it comes right down to it, I have to keep reminding them that the life issues have to be first, and that's, that's what I do. You ask me what I do. That's what I do.
0: And then that's always a challenge, um, you know, because you look at our issue, um, people think, ah, it's one of those social issues. There's a controversy. Now you have the partisan, the complete partisan angle on it. But when you look at the sheer numbers, abortion takes more lives than heart disease, takes more lives than cancer. Um, takes more lives than potholes on Michigan's roads, which no one likes, but, um, you know, like I said, 85 a day, uh, you know, more than 25,000 a year in the state of Michigan. And so, um, what
1: I remind people that we, we exterminate through abortion, the equivalent of three kindergarten classrooms full of children every single day, every day, six days a week, Three classrooms full of children are wiped out through abortion. At the end of two weeks, we have lost an entire elementary school. I always joked about the fact that Toys R Us donated to Planned Parenthood, Mm -hmm. the largest abortion provider in the United States, in order to get rid of their consumer. And it doesn't make any sense to me, and we wonder why they went out of business. So it's a social issue, but it actually has a huge ripple effect on every facet of our lives. We have 26,000 fewer citizens every single year in the state of Michigan, which equates to 20 percent of the population.
0: Yeah, Bridge Magazine did an article uh, just before I left uh, on vacation talking about how we have the fewest number of births I think since uh, since uh, World War Two. And you think about, well, education policy, they they worry so much about school funding school curriculum, um, teacher strikes, all that, all that other important policy. But, uh, you know, I remember one time my uncle took me on a tour of this area, southwest Michigan. He's like, there used to be a high school up there. Mm -hmm. It used to be huge, thousand people in it. It doesn't exist anymore. Entire schools, entire school districts um, are facing issues with consolidation and whatnot. Um, You know, our issue really does touch every single...
1: Thing. Well, and it's interesting. There are certain politicians who are talking about limiting the number of children being born because it's such a burden on the climate or the environment and that it's it's adding to global climate change, et cetera, et cetera. What they fail to realize is that children are actually a humongous economic generator. They create a whole bunch of need for, uh, you know, extra room in people's houses, extra food, extra clothing. So they actually generate a tremendous amount of commerce. And so children are a benefit to society, not to mention without more children, you don't have a society going forward.
0: What a, what a controversial idea, Genevieve, that children are actually a good thing.
1: They're a good thing. They're a good, for economically. I'm not, I'm not just making it from a, you know, like a Christian perspective or the God perspective, but really from an economic perspective and why we should talk about abortion as a public policy issue, not just, oh, it's your religion and quit shoving your religion down my throat kind of thing. No, let me tell you how this affects you. I always tell students when I go and give talks, I tell them, count off by five. You're missing somebody. Somebody here, somebody, one of your classmates is not here. Actually, 20% of your classmates are not here because they were not, they were not allowed to come to life. They were aborted. So that's 20% fewer employees, spouses, potential spouses, friends, classmates. They're not here because they were wiped out through abortion. And isn't that sad? And if you were born after 1973, you're a survivor. You You're yeah. a survivor.
0: Um, but there are so many here because of the laws that we have passed. And so just, you know, you talked about the need to educate people. Uh, we, we, our three main uh, methods of accomplishing our mission are education, legislation, political action. And it's like a three-legged stool. You can't take out one of the legs and have the stool still function. Um,
1: That's a good way to put it, Chris. You're absolutely right. I like that. <laughs> Yeah, well, I I like not, I, yeah, I did not. I did not invent it here. That's very uh, good. That's true.
0: Thank you. I'm the director of communication. I'm glad I'm <laughs> communicating that well. Um, <laughs> but our, uh, you know, a lot of our laws have a dual purpose. Not only do they save lives, you know, our, we talk, uh, we've talked often on the podcast about our ban on Medicaid-funded abortions. It That Huge. saved more than two hundred thousand lives. Huge. So Huge. Yeah. Go through the class and count how many people are here are alive because of our legislative staff.
1: Absolutely. And
0: all of our organization that supports it. But um, a lot of our bills also have a dual purpose of educating people. Correct. And not just people, but legislators. Yes. How many times would you say that you've come to a legislator with an issue um,
1: and they've just been taken aback? Many, many times. Uh, You know, we bring, for example, I'm working on pushing forward the dismemberment abortion ban. And I, when we first introduced this bill a couple of years ago, I had a reporter call me uh, because they saw the bill was introduced, and they wanted, and they said, Now you're trying to do this to preempt it. This is a preemptive ban on dismemberment abortions, right? You're trying to stop it from ever happening in Michigan? And I said, no. I said, we're stopping it from happening because it happens four to five times every day. And there was an audible gasp on the other end of the phone because she had no idea that four or five... Dismemberment abortions take place every single day in the state of Michigan. And it's, it's horrible. Arms and legs being ripped off of living babies in the womb. And people are unaware that that actually takes place. And they're aghast when they find out.
0: Yeah. Uh, so what are some ways that uh, you, your predecessor and you, um, I, have you busted out Oscar before?
1: I have not had the occasion <laughs> to bust out Oscar. Let me tell you about Oscar. So Oscar is our, we have our little uh, fetal models. They're the, we have a 12 week fetal model. It's the right height, rump height, height mm-hmm. of a 12 week old anatomically baby. Anatomically correct. Basically. And it's anatomically correct ish. Yeah. And we have a a suction curette from a doctor. It's what they actually use in an abortion, suction aspiration abortion procedure. And we demonstrated, well, he did, Ed, my predecessor, demonstrated during a committee hearing exactly what takes place in a suction aspiration abortion, and that that 12-week fetus gets sucked through that straw, essentially, to its death. And... People don't really, they talk about abortion, and then they they don't really think about what it actually does. And I want to put a plug for Abby Johnson's movie, Unplanned, because if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. She does not hold back, and she actually shows on the screen what a suction aspiration abortion really is. And it's very sobering to see that that takes place, you know, 20,000 times a year in the state of Michigan. Uh, ish. I'd have to do the math on that. Mm -hmm. But approximately, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's very sobering. So yeah, a lot of times our our laws are educational, but they also save lives. I know the parental consent law, when we used to have a teen abortion rate that was significantly higher than it is right now, it's been, it's dropped by 75%. And a lot of that is attributable to the parental consent law. So pro-life laws do save lives.
0: Yeah, it's dropped so much in there that we've taken away, I don't say taken away, we've moved, you know, efforts to reach teens and moved it to uh, a a place where we have even greater problems. And that would be uh, kind of abortion in your inner cities. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we talk about, sometimes we talked on the podcast about, you know, the profile, who has abortion in Michigan's, you know, 20 something. Um, Black woman who's single, who may probably already has a child, who's probably already had an abortion. Yes. Um, Yeah. And uh, that's always a difficult issue to address from a purely legislative standpoint.
1: It is. It is. I mean, you certainly can't make target laws that, you know, ban abortions for specific individuals or specific Mm -hmm. groups. And, you know, that's not the goal. The goal is to make abortion unthinkable in general. Mm -hmm. But we do have to target our outreach. And that's where we're the three-pronged stool, where the education and outreach comes into play. Mm -hmm. So we know the women who are being, who are most vulnerable to abortion. Mm And finding ways to deal with that. And one of those things, uh, you know, that came to our attention was uh, women who have been uh, raped. Uh, this one there's a big event. that happened in Santa, like, County last year the year before, mm-hmm. where a young woman who had been raped, uh, she, the father did not have custody of the child. He actually spent some time in jail. But then she applied for... Medicaid, benefits, WIC, etc., And one of the provisions in our law says that the prosecuting attorney must establish paternity. And so he went after the rapist to establish paternity. And before all the facts came out, the judge awarded him legal custody, 50-50 legal custody and visitation. So uh, we passed the Rape Survivor Child Custody Act two years ago that says a woman does not have to share custody with her rapist. But because of this other loophole in the law that says the prosecuting attorney has to go over an established paternity, we now know we have to shore up the good faith exception in our law. And so that's an area that I'm looking into right now. Uh, so we can help. That's a small number of women, but we certainly want to help where we can.
0: Yeah, a lot of, uh, I don't want to say the bulk of the bills we introduce, but a lot of the bills we introduce are going back and revisiting previous ones because we, we get... We get the law, we set kind of the big, I don't call it the exception, we set the big example of of this is where we stand, we shouldn't do this, or this should happen this way. But um, the devil is always in the details when it comes to enforcement. And sometimes, like in that case, you just have maybe have an ignorant judge or a public servant who doesn't care, which is frequently the bane of our existence. Mm -hmm. You also have the abortion industry that finds clever little ways uh, to sidestep our laws or to find loopholes or just invent new ways of uh, taking advantage of laws. Great,
1: great, great setup there, Chris. Because I'll, case in point, uh, we, as we know, uh, Planned Parenthood is the number one abortion provider in the United States. And as such, they do try to market themselves as a woman's health care provider, a legitimate medical provider, and they do offer some services that can be billed under Medicaid and under Title X. Title X is the national family planning uh, program, and Planned Parenthood in Michigan receives millions of dollars in Title X funding. Well, we put a law in place many years ago that said the Title X money that comes into the, to the state department and gets redistributed has to be prioritized away from abortion providers and to non-abortion providers like our public health departments, et cetera. Well, we found out a couple of years ago that that law was basically being ignored, and we attempted to address that last year uh, in, some, in the budget, but our previous governor essentially... <laughs> Essentially, our previous governor.
0: Thank you for putting it so delicately. Our previous
1: <laughs> governor essentially vetoed that language and told his department to ignore it. He issued what they call a non-enforceability statement, telling his department he can ignore. They can ignore the law. Essentially, so you're right, Chris. You know we sometimes have to revisit our old laws because we realize that they're either being ignored, they're being circumvented, they're they're finding new ways to go around them, and. So we know that every time we can cut off dollars to Planned Parenthood, their services, their hours are less extended, and we save lives. And that's the bottom line. So
0: Genevieve, so when people say, uh, "Why are you getting so political?" Um, well, it's because we can hopefully have a pro life governor who actually enforces those laws.
1: Oh, and an attorney general.
0: Right, an attorney general, who, or people, yeah. Or,
1: yeah, who can enforce those laws and pass those laws in the first place? You know, passing pro life laws uh, is half the equation. Getting them signed by the governor is the other half of the equation. And they always say good government is fifty six twenty and one. 56 members of the House, 20 members of the Senate, and one governor. So right now, we hold pro-life majorities in the House and the Senate, and we have every reason to believe we can pass pro-life laws. But we have every reason to believe our pro-abortion governor Mm -hmm. will veto them. So that's a problem, and this is why we get political.
0: It is. Or some people say, well, why don't you just focus on uh, helping pregnant women, maybe just focus on the pregnancy centers? Um, and that's uh, good and all. Let's say we, we completely axe Genevieve, her new assistant, <laughs> Laura, her, and, and they're in Lansing, and we'll get rid of Casey, our PAC director. We'll just focus on education. Oh, that new attorney general we have said she wants to shut down pregnancy centers. Yes. yes Who's stopping her?
1: Yes. Well, and of course part of our part of what we do in encouraging young women to choose life is we partner with adoption agencies. Of course we, we don't partner with them, but we certainly encourage adoption as an alternative to abortion. And our attorney general has just recently issued a statement that says that none of the uh, faith-based adoption agencies who refuse to adopt out to homosexual couples will be able to get money.
0: They do a large bulk of adoptions. And they do a in large bulk of adoptions. Bethany Christian Services, nationwide, and, and they're headquartered right here, a couple miles down the road in Grand Rapids. Well, so. and Saint
1: Vincent Catholic Charities is another great uh, organization that works with uh, young uh, unwed mothers to place those babies for adoption. And so those avenues for women to make abortion alternative decisions are being thwarted by a pro-abortion attorney general. And so elections have consequences. I'm sure you've said that before on this podcast. Nah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, and this is why we are political, because every law we pass will save a life.
0: That's the goal. That's to the save goal. Save a ton of lives. Ton of lives. Hundreds, yes. thousands of lives.
1: Hopefully, yes. And oh, we've done it before. Well, and our abortion numbers are down from the all-time high. I mean, in nineteen We're down about half. Since about half. Was
0: Eighty-seven. Eighty-seven
1: was the all-time high of what? Forty-seven thousand. ish yep. About fifty
0: thousand. Yeah. yeah. We're down about twenty-five. Yeah. So.
1: so those pro-life laws, like Medicaid funding, like informed consent, parental consent, and various other clinic licensing laws, people forget. And this is amazing. This is talk about an educational eye-opener. When we were doing the clinic licensing law, members of our committee, elected officials, had no idea that abortion clinics were never inspected and not licensed. Your hairdresser was inspected and licensed. Your tattoo artist was inspected and licensed. But the abortion clinic was not until just five years ago, six years ago, when we passed the clinic licensing law. And we did put a whole lot of abortion, really, really egregious abortion clinics out of business. They should never have been treating women in the first place. So, yeah, we save lives.
0: <laughs> yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some? Th- what is maybe one thing that you wish people out there who are maybe only tangentially familiar with politics and whatnot understood about your job kind of on a day-to-day basis or even even people who are maybe you know members of our organization who, who listen to this who are leaders but maybe don't understand you know they just oh Genevieve will take care of it there in Lansing
1: <laughs> well I can tell you that our, remember that I started off I'm going to go full circle I started off saying our elected officials they have a ton of voices in their ear constant being pushed and pulled and I will tell you that Planned Parenthood and their followers are absolutely vocal. They petition their government, they come to Lansing, they email, they leave messages, they tweet out, they're constantly putting that voice in the ear of their elected officials. We need to have that same sort of motivation on the other side because. Our elected officials are getting beaten up. Our pro-life ones get beaten up by the other side, and they need to get a little love. They need to have a little support from the pro-life people who put them in office. And sometimes they need a little encouragement when they're getting a little uh, lack of courage to continue to move forward because they don't want to get screamed and hollered at and told that they're you know, stealing women's health care rights, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So our pro-life people, even if you don't want to get involved in politics, it's a good idea to reach out to your elected officials and let them know where you stand on this issue and encourage their vote.
0: Yeah, uh, we don't want to take them for granted. You know, we, we have much bigger grassroots than Planned Parenthood does. They can send out an email and get a bunch of people to do things. Um, if you ever follow their Facebook page, some of the event pictures they post are truly pathetic. But, uh, not to brag for us, but you know, they can get people to show up and be really angry at the Capitol they can. Uh, once every two or three years. and. Um, you know, we don't want to be complacent. Oh, we have pro-life majorities and they'll Mm -hmm. just do whatever we want and we'll just count on Genevieve does such a great job. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, Planned Parenthood, do they, they don't have a full-time lobbyist anymore, they? do. do
1: They They do still? Yeah. Well, she's, I don't know if she's full-time, but she is, they do have a, a dedicated lobbyist. I don't know that okay. she's full-time. They, yeah,
0: they've had, uh, they've had some issues there. But I
1: will tell you, it's interesting, over the past couple of years, since the 2016 election, they've really garnered a tremendous amount of support in just resisting Trump, just using the Trump election as a way to gin up their members and to increase their membership. And they've succeeded. They've done a great marketing job. And at the drop of a hat, they can fill a committee room full of women in pink shirts and men, too. Uh, pro-Planned Parenthood shirts. So, you know, gone are the days where they were sort of in the background. They are coming out in spades. And we do need our pro-lifers to be a little bit more engaged in that regard. We only hold a two-seat majority in the House and a two-seat majority in the Senate. And the election in 2020, the, those two House seats could go. And the election in 2022, the Senate seats could go. And where will we be? So that's very important to keep that in mind.
0: All right. Well, yeah, if you want to follow uh, our social media, our website, email, we'll keep you up to date on everything that Genevieve does, <laughs> even though her name isn't always on it. Um, she's always busy and uh, she works in Lansing and so we'll let you go back over there.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks All right. Thanks for me. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening and have a wonderful weekend.